Paul Flex, um, keep Jonah chapter 2 open in front of you. Uh, how about I pray? We're using the words of Psalm 19. May these words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, one fine day, four people were flying in a small uh, four-passenger plane. There was a pilot, there was a pastor and two teenagers, one of whom had just won an award for being the smartest teenager in the world. Who ever thought there'd be such an award? As they were flying along, the pilot turned to the, the three passengers and said, I've got some bad news and I've got some worse news. The bad news is we're out of fuel, the plane's going down and we're going to crash. The worst news is I've only got three parachutes on board. This meant, of course, that someone would have to go down with the plane. Well, the pilot continued. He said, I have a wife and three children at home. I have many responsibilities, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm going to have to take one of those parachutes. And with that, he grabbed a parachute and jumped out of the plane. <laughs> the smartest teenager in the world was next to speak. Uh, next to speak. I'm the smartest teenager in the world, he said. I might be the one who comes up with a cure for cancer, a cure for AIDS. I might be the one who solves all the world's economic problems. Everyone is counting on me. The smartest teenager in the world grabbed the second parachute and jumped out of the plane. The pastor then spoke up and said, Son, you take the last parachute. You have it. I've made my peace with God and I'm willing to go down with the plane. Now take the last parachute and go. Relax, Reverend, said the other teenager. The smartest, parachute, smartest teenager in the world just jumped out of the plane with my backpack. <laughs> Now, it seems to me the smartest teenager in the world and Jonah have something in common. <laughs> uh, I think a bit of pride mixed up with a bit of arrogance and a bit of foolishness. Isn't that right from last week? I think that's what we've, we've, we've gained so far from poor Jonah. Last week we were introduced to Jonah, this uh, runaway prophet who thought he could run away from God. Which, of course, is not only foolish, but, well, it's arrogant and it's futile. And on the boat, on his way, way to Tarshish, Jonah thought he could escape the predicament he was in. God's judgment for his disobedience in the form of a storm. But rather than asking God for mercy and repenting, his escape plan was to ask these innocent sailors to throw him overboard. He'd rather die then ask for forgiveness. Doesn't that... I'm still trying to work out what does that say about Jonah. Jonah refused to turn to God, unlike the sailors, and escape and accept the mercy and, and grace of God and the rescue that God offers. Well, that's how chapter 1 ends. And that's where we pick things up today. And as we turn to chapter 2, we're reminded that salvation is from the Lord. And he's the one who rescues He's the one who saves, and it's the Lord, therefore, that we must praise. We give shouts of praise to. So, uh, grab your outlines there if you don't have them already. Uh, Jonah and the big fish, 1 verse 17. See, last, last week where we left off um, with, uh, with Jonah, uh, under the judgment of God, having been thrown overboard, remember, and, and he's sinking down, uh, sinking down to the depths. Don't forget, he, 
he, he went down to Joppa as he ran away from God, ran away from the presence of the Lord, the word of Lord, Lord down to Joppa, down into the, 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 the belly of the ship, trying to run away from God. And now, what's he doing? He's sinking down. Remember, running away from the Lord, running away from the presence of the word of God is a depressing place. Down, down, down. Sinking down to his depths, uh, to, to his death. In some ways, if the book finished there, well, I reckon we could probably, that would make sense, wouldn't it? So here's this disobedient prophet, and he's getting punished for what he, well, his disobedience. He's a prophet. We could leave it there and would say, well, yeah, that, that's the end of the book. It sort of works well. But that's not the nature of God, is it? That's, that's not the nature of the God we read of in the Bible. God is a God of second chances. God is a God of grace. God is a God of mercy. And so God acts. So 1 verse 17. Now the Lord had appointed a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the fish three days and three nights. We ought to ask ourselves, what is God doing here? What's he doing is this kindness or is this judgment? Why didn't God just save Jonah, you know, get the big whale, if that's what it was, uh, to flick its tail and fling Jonah to the shore? Why didn't God just do that? In fact, I remember a few years ago um, at Bondi, uh, a pretty big humpback, I think it was, came into the little bay there and a whole bunch of surfers paddled out to have a look. I would have done it, that's for sure. Um, paddled out to have a look. Now, it's actually illegal. You can't get within 100 metres of a whale out in the ocean, apparently. But these surfers, being surfers, they had minimal brains. And so they, <laughs> um, they paddled across and one surfer got flicked by the tail of this whale and flown to the air. Now, he was lucky to escape any sort of serious injury. But why didn't God just do that? You know, flick the tail, flick Jonah over the sea and the, he gets a talking to and, well, it seems to me, although God is saving Jonah, Jonah is still being judged by God. Although the storm had ceased its raging, as chapter 1 verse 15 says, and the sailors are now safe, Jonah is not. God, if we can put it this way, is still raging at Jonah. Now, before we get into Jonah's prayer, it's a wonderful prayer, and what happened next and so on, we ought to deal with this, uh, with a big fish, I think. Um, we ought to deal with a bit of an elephant in the room, really. Uh, make some comment there. There's been a number of theories to explain the, the big fish swallowing Jonah. Uh, some good and some bordering on the ridiculous. I read one the other day which argued that there is actually a boat called the big fish, and that's what rescued Jonah. How about that? <laughs> That's not true. Um, <laughs> there's a great story. Uh, great story, Carl Henry. Carl Henry's a, a US uh, theologian, um, worth reading. He passed away in 2003. He um, has a story he used to tell. In his younger days, he used to go to the, uh, a public forum at, the, at a local college, and he used to go and do some open-air preaching, preach the gospel and so forth, uh, just sharing his faith. All sorts of interesting people turn up to such things, as you can imagine. One day this sceptic came by and talked to Carl and, and he interrupted him as he was talking to the crowd and he shouted out, you don't really believe the Bible is the word of God, do you? And Carl and he said, well, yes, I do. I do believe that. And then another, this sceptic again asked, you don't really believe God can do miracles, do you? Well, yes, I do, said Carl. Well, what about the story of Jonah? This sceptic shouted out again. How can a man survive in, the, in a fish for three days and three nights? 
What about the air? What about the gastric juices in the stomach and all that sort of thing? How can a man survive? And he started asking all these questions about Jonah. And Carl Henry said, Well, sir, I don't know all the answers to all your questions, but when I get to heaven, I'll ask Jonah. The crowd sort of chuckled. <laughs> Uh, then the sceptic answered back, well, how do you know Jonah will be in heaven? Carl Henry smiled and said, in the case that is not, then you can ask him. <laughs> um, bit naughty, but, you know, let, let's try to be clear as best we can. Um, believing in the big fish or not, and Jonah being a historical text or not, it, is not a salvation issue. You're not saved because you believe Jonah is a historical text. You're not saved by that. But there are some very important points to consider. Here's, um, here's the, the... I've got three there. Don't forget Jesus believed in Jonah. Jesus believed as Jonah as a real historical person. We'll get to Matthew 12 later on. He believed in God's power to do the miraculous. So... Second, Christians must not limit God and his power to do the miraculous. Remember chapter 1, we went last week, that God is God over all. He's God of the land and the seas. That's the God we're talking about. God can do anything he chooses. Remember, God is creator. He created the world. So we must not limit God and his power to do the miraculous. Three, whether or not we can swallow the big fish bit or not, pardon the pun, um, that's not the most remarkable part of this book. What's the most remarkable part of this book, you ask? Well, it, it happens in the next chapter. The people of Nineveh turn to God and God does not destroy them. That's the most remarkable part of this book. That's the bit that ought to give you chills up your spine. The people of Nineveh turn to God and God did not destroy them. Okay, let's get back to Jonah. Uh, Jonah chapter 2 and uh, verse 1. It's when Jonah finally prays. It's one of the greatest prayers of thanksgiving you will ever read, I think. And notice that he cries out to his God. Just have, a, have a look back. If you've got your Bibles open there, just, I don't know, cast your eyes back over verses 1 to 9 again. Have a bit of a feel for it. It looks a bit like a psalm, sort of reads a bit like a psalm, doesn't it? So sort of set out that way. It's a prayer of thanksgiving of what God has done. Now, I want you to notice too, as, as John was reading a few moments ago, notice that it's, it's looking back. It's in the past tense. Did you notice that? So I, may, I imagine this is how it went down. So Jonah is thrown into the ocean by the sailors and is swallowed by the big fish. There he prays to God. By God's command, the fish vomits Jonah up onto dry land. There on the beach, a little bit stinky, uh, Jonah prays or says the words that are recorded here in Jonah 2, 2-9. to That's where he records them. Uh, I want you to notice three things about Jonah's prayer of thanksgiving. Three things very much worth remembering. Here's the first one. Verse 3. God threw Jonah into the depths. All God's breakers and billows swept over Jonah. Last on of verse 6. But you raised me from the pit. Last line of verse 9. Salvation is from the Lord. You're seeing a pattern here? You notice something? God's rescue is God's doing. 
Only God can rescue from his judgment. God is the judge. Only God can pardon. I heard recently a judge in the UK pardoned a burglar with a criminal record about as long as my arm. The judge said he was giving him one last chance, calling him courageous for confronting his problems with drugs and alcohol. From what I read, people were up in arms about it. What? How can you do such a thing? He needs to go to prison, be punished. Uh, the PM called the burglar and his accomplices cowards. He even got involved. But the judge is the judge. It's his courtroom. He can do what he, it's his courtroom. He can do what he wants. He's in control. He's the only one with the power to give such a pardon. Now, we ought to say here, how much more God? How much more God? The universe is God's courtroom. Appealing to anyone or anything else will not work. Only God can pardon, for he is judge. Only God can rescue from his own judgment. That's the first thing we notice about God's rescue here in this prayer. It's God's doing. Therefore, for those who have been rescued, well, it's right and proper for us to give shouts of praise, as verse 9 says. Second, uh, God, rescue, uh, God rescues from the depths. Now, some of you would know that my favourite band, of course, is the greatest band in the world, um, is U2. You'd know that. Because um, I was a teenager in the 80s and 90s. You know, that's what you did. I even had a mallet like Bono, I think, at one point. It was gorgeous. Um, now, they sung these words back in the 80s. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the pit, out of the mud and mire. I will sing, sing a new song. He set my feet upon a rock and made my footsteps firm. They're great words, aren't they? But they're not words that uh, Bono wrote or you too wrote. Are they? they're, they're the words from Psalm 40. And the song they sing is just called 40. And I think they're echoed here in Jonah's prayer of thanksgiving. Have a look back at Jonah 2, verses 5 and 6. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. It's one of the greatest promises of the Bible. When all seems lost, when there is little to no hope, when we are sinking down deep, the promise of God is that he can lift us up. But of course there's more going on here with, with Jonah than just physically drowning, isn't there? He's drifted from God in his disobedience. He's trying to run away from the word of God, the presence of the Lord. In his sin, well, he's sunk down deep. But from such hopelessness gives life. From, from disobedience, God forgives. As Jonah's life was fading away, sunk down into the depths, God gave life. It is a great promise and a great assurance that we have as Christian people. When we turn to him in trust and repentance, he lifts us up out of the mud and the mire. God forgives. God restores. God gives life. He is the God of grace. As we read in chapter 4, verse 9, God is gracious, compassionate. He's slow to anger and abounding in love. That's the God we're talking about. That's the God we're reading about. That's the God we hear every week this week, every week at this church. 
Uh, friends, perhaps right now, you, you're, it might even be in your own disobedience. Perhaps you're a little like Jonah and you, you're trying to run away from God, uh, from the presence of the word of the Lord. And you do, you feel like you're sinking down. How distant from God, the waves and the breakers, the breakers of life sweeping over you. It, it may feel hopeless. But this prayer of thanksgiving tells us otherwise. God is the God who rescues and brings life back up from the pit. Finally, we must hear something else from this prayer. And again, it's cause for thankfulness. And I guess we've sort of already touched on it already. And that is um, that God's rescue is merciful. Jonah didn't deserve to be, uh, I think the words in the NIV are, vomited out onto dry land. Now that doesn't sound very appealing to us. But God didn't deserve, Jonah didn't deserve to be saved, to, to that happen. But God is merciful when we cry out to him. Look at verse 2. I called to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help in the belly of Sheol. That's a Hebrew ex expression for the place of death, um, on the way to death. That's what Jonah was feeling. And look at the last line of verse 2. You heard my voice. I've only been in, involved with one genuine case of saving another person's life. I guess most people haven't at all. Um, so I'm sort of thankful for this, uh, this, that this happened. Um, I might have told this story before. Forgive me if I have. Uh, I was surfing overseas and um, a man who was not a strong swimmer was swimming next to me or trying to swim next, pretty close, about between me and Dennis, so that distance apart, and he got into trouble. Now, he didn't know to raise his hand and remain calm like we know, don't we? Yes. Um, <laughs> he didn't know to do that because he, 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 he wasn't brought up on the beaches of Australia. He, he didn't know about rips and currents like we might know. Sort of part of Australian education, isn't it, if you live near the beach? He didn't know about red and yellow flags that we meant to swim between those. He didn't know all that. So he just jumped in. But as he got into trouble, well, he didn't know to raise his hands. He didn't know to keep calm. And so he cried out. That's all he could do. He shouted out. He cried out to be saved. And by the grace of God, I was there. I was not far away. I paddled across to him, put him on my board, and we paddled in. Uh, to say he was thankful, that is a vast understatement. In fact, him and his friends and family could not stop thanking me and kissing me and hugging me for the next sort of half an hour. Um, in fact, it was so intense that I had to sort of say, OK, that's enough. Go away now. Stop following me out the beach. I need to go home. Um, they were very thankful. Uh, friends, in our distress, we must cry out to the Lord our God. We must. But our distress is not, is not, a, not, not a physical one, although it could be. It could be. It's a, it's a spiritual one. The only way back up, rather than sinking down, 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 the only way back from disobedience and fleeing from the word of, the God, of God and being under the judgment of God is to cry out to the God who can rescue. And what's his promise in verse 9? Salvation comes from the Lord. But the great sadness is that many miss what Jesus calls in Matthew 12 the greatest sign, greater than even the sign of Jonah. See, the Pharisees not only missed the sign of Jonah, which not, not even the Ninevites did, they didn't miss it, 
We said that in the next chapter. But the, the sign that pointed to the judgment and mercy of God as we repent and call on him, that's the sign of Jonah. But this generation, Jesus says, referring to the Pharisees, they miss the greater sign. The sign reveals us, uh, reveals to us God, his character, his mercy, his love, his judgment. The greater sign, of course, is Jesus himself, God's son, who by his death on the cross uh, rescues us from sin and death and enables our forgiveness, bringing salvation. In fact, it's the cross where God delivers us, rescues us from the depths of sin and death by his son's sacrifice for you and me. See verse, uh, uh, Romans 4, verse 24, uh, 25. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Justification just as if we've never sinned. For our forgiveness. That's the greatest sign. Jesus says, don't miss that greatest sign. Don't miss Jesus. See, I reckon there's two types of people here this morning, uh, generally. There are people like Jonah who, who uh, right now, today, cry out to God for mercy, who must do that. They must cry out to God from the depths because God, through his son Jesus, can raise you up from the pit. Perhaps it's for the first time you'll cry out to him. Or as verse 4 says, you'll do it once more. Isn't that the truth? Eh? Once more. You'll, be, you'll cry out for mercy and you'll be lifted up and you'll be forgiven. Uh, that's, that's the truth, isn't it? We're, a little, we're all a little bit like Jonah. And the promise of God is that he'll hear your prayer and raise you up. And as Psalm 40 sings, you'll sing a new song in your heart. I guess the second type of person is the one who's, who's done that, who's been rescued, who's, who's done it again. Um, this person's on dry land. They've been vomited out. Uh, <laughs> This person looks back and sees what God has done in their life. This person must say thank you. And see verse 8. This person must not cling to worthless idols or forsake God's faithful love anymore, but sacrifice to God. In other words, we give all, our, all of our lives to him, for salvation is from the Lord. So we give thanks to him. How about I pray and see if anyone's got a question or two or a comment, and then we'll um, continue. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and mercy to us. Lord God, as we, we're sort of jumping to next week, but Lord, thank you that you are slow to anger, you're compassionate, and Lord, you're full of grace and mercy. Lord, thank you that you rescued Jonah. Thank you, Lord, for the greatest sign, as Jesus said, the greatest sign that you sent your son to rescue us from the pit of sin and death. Lord, raise us up as we cry out to you. Lord, give us a firm place to stand, and that, is, of course, is on your Son and his word. Amen.